Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Nice way to end a hot summer day. Let's talk some football. Training camp is popping. And uh, it's taken me a little while to get here, Andy, but we get to put a bow on the NFC South today. I don't know. I don't know if I want to call it the worst division in football, but I think this is probably whoever wins this potentially gets into the playoff picture with the least amount of wins. Is that crazy? Yeah, I don't know. And the, I mean, we are starting out the Saints as we're leaving Tampa for the last. And the more I went over the Saints this week, the more I thought that like they probably have a pretty high ceiling. And yes, we are wearing the Saints color rush jerseys today, <laughs> all black. My shirt's but, actually navy, but you can't tell. I, yeah, I, I guess I can kind of see with the light coming in off the window, but this is black, black like the night. And yeah, the the Saints legit probably have a pretty pretty high ceiling. Both of these teams today have a high ceiling if things go right. But they both uh, probably have like a narrow distribution of like actual results that kind of tickles around the 10 11 wins. Okay. And I'm fine uh, with that. I, and, but I, you know, I think if one of these teams won like 14 games, wouldn't be surprised. But like, shit, just uh, it worked out. They didn't lose a bunch of games to injury this year. The quarterback play was what we'd hope to see. And a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stars today. There's a lot of stars on both sides of the ball for both of these teams today. And man, like this is, we delve into this a little, even though we do this as a season preview for 2022. And we obviously do have to talk about 2021 each time to kind of set the table, if you will. But we talk a lot about the future of the franchise. Cause we like to play armchair GM, both of these teams kind of need one because I mean you can <laughs> you can be the apple. yeah you can create you can be creative with the cap and push stuff back but you cannot do it forever yeah like and uh the, the saints are in a weird spot with that too and i mean now with a kind of a reset of the coaching it's uh it's gonna be a unique year so you want to start on 2021 for us sure the new orleans saints had an up and down season um, they looked out of the gate like a team that was surely going to contend for a playoff spot. Um, actually, you know what? Let me start even a step further back. There was wild okay. chaos in New Orleans the you know, leading up to last year's season. Not only did their forever quarterback Drew Brees retire, but the city of New Orleans itself was broadly impacted negatively by a hurricane to the tune of Saints had to move their camp out of town. And had to play some of their early games not in the Superdome. Uh, and it was a pretty massive disruption. Yet, they came out of the gate unbelievably strong. They absolutely thunderfucked the Packers. Uh, and then, surprising loss to the Panthers, followed by uh, a true beatdown of the Patriots. So, it was like, oh, okay. Uh, who are these guys? What's happening? Um, you know, is, are they contenders? Or is there something throughout that week one? Uh, and then they lose to the Giants. And I think at that point, you could basically say, okay, this is a team that's going to have high highs and low lows. And, uh, you know, the, but ultimately, um, it was full of team full of stars and led by a quarterback in James Winston, who was given a new lease on life and took, made the most of it, at least until he tore his ACL. And, uh, that was the end of that. Yeah, Hurricane Ida messed with things. They did have one preseason game, oddly against the Jacksonville Jaguars, because I believe that's the team that hosted them as a uh, surrogate stadium host in week one against the Packers, which they, mm-hmm. again, that was one of the two where I think everybody had an opinion on that game, and I'm, I'm guessing it, it was very one-sided. Certain people were right and certain people were very wrong on that one. And then uh, the next two games were road games. They were able to get back into the Superdome by week four where they lost to the Giants early by, but they were still sitting at six and two uh, heading into the Atlanta game that they lost at home. 
And then uh, was it the was it the Tampa Bay game that that final one before the Atlanta loss? I think that's where we had the injury. Sounds or, right. Was it practice? I, I'm trying to think of actually when he tore his knee. I, I feel like I really just checked out on the Saints last. Time. I absolutely so annoying. But yeah, that after that, I think it was that that week eight. It was a week eight injury. If I uh, it was November first. Uh, All right. So it, yeah. I feel yeah, it wasn't a game. Like I feel it was a practice thing. November first like was well, we we it practice, was the it was the Tampa of, like where is it was the, it was it happened in the Tampa Bay game, but it wasn't obvious. See, like, I don't think he came out of that game. Um, I, I'm gonna open it up and tell you one way or the other. They beat Tampa Bay, yep. and Trevor Simeon uh, took the last 29 pass attempts. So Winston came out of that Tampa Bay game with the ACL. Trevor Simeon carried the Saints to a win. And then they lost five in a row. And then, yes. Turns out Trevor Trevor Simeon was not good. Yeah, they started a kind of a mishmatch of uh, Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill, a little Ian Book even, which wasn't (laughs) great. But they were able down the stretch. They got wins against the Jets, Panthers, and Falcons, and Bucks down the stretch. Weird. That was a game that I'd love to – I'd like to watch over and over again. Nine nothing. Nine nothing win over uh Tampa Bay late in the season. In in Tampa, I believe we're looking what at the hell here, happened so. there. Yeah. I mean it, it's kind of like uh it's kind of like I joke I joked with somebody about that today. We often reference that Bills Jaguars game where it's like, hey, sometimes weird stuff happens where the Bucks were like a top three offense, and the Saints' defense, despite you know all the players, they they weren't actually playing that good. The Saints really didn't have an offense to speak of, and yeah, we had a we had a goofy goofy win for them there, nine nothing at Raymond James Stadium, and then they go out to at home and lose twenty to three to the to the Dolphins. What the hell? Bit of a <laughs> bit of a and anywhere you look to, you'll see this like a bit of a lost season as far as. I don't know what, like, I think you see, like, a team that loses its starting quarterback and you just kind of write off everything else that happens. But they lost a lot of games um, as far as, like, however, I forget how you phrase this, like, adjusted games lost to injury or what have you. Sure. Because your number one wide receiver supposed to play just – Kept getting. It was one of those where it just like it was like the spaghetti incident, or no, uh, Chinese democracy. I'm trying Chinese to think of the right album. Where it's yeah. just like, hey, it's gonna happen someday. Just never happened. Ended up having to have another surgery. Jameis obviously missed half the season. A bunch of injuries on the offensive line. You kind of, again, your brain gets washed to that because you think, well, they lost their starting quarterback. The season was lost anyway. But they lost a lot of pieces throughout the season and. If you start looking at the roster, it's like shit. This was a really talented team. They had a lot of star players, and they didn't even again. They didn't even have their number one wide receiver. They missed uh, Kamara for chunks of the season. He's again. It's hard to peg him as like a true running back, even though he is, because he's so important in the screen and passing game. Like mm-hmm. he's a he's a very very obviously important piece of that offense as well. So. It was a kind of a what might have been season, and yeah, it, it looked good. It started out what was Winston threw for five touchdowns in that first game. Uh, through the seven games he essentially played, he only really uh, he threw three picks for seven games because that was the biggest dog on him. It was like, all right, he had his 30 30 years. This is going to be what we have. Like, is he going to come in and. Like it was kind of hashing right, and then yeah, bunch of injuries. Defense can only do so much when you're starting Ian Book at quarterback, and season actually ended up being in a spot where they needed help. But in the final weeks, there they still had a shot at the playoffs. They did, you know, they did. I think the Eagles, uh, the Eagles t- uh, had some sort of tiebreaker, or. Um, Eagles beat them forty to twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, but there was there was like a there was a tiebreaker at the end of the year because they needed to win their final game, but then also something else had to happen. I think for them to in oh, order they needed for them to land to in a three way tie. 
Yeah, so, something goofy. There, there was a tiebreaker scenario where they needed to beat Atlanta, which they did, but something else had happened. So didn't make the playoffs. Winning record uh, despite everything. And, yeah, they'll spin into 2022 after restructuring basically everybody who had a contract with the team, moving everything back one more year. And um, I think as Football Outsiders pointed out, it's not unique for a team to be in this spot, but it is unique for this team to be in a team to be in a spot like this with the cap situation where a big chunk of it isn't dedicated to some long-term contract for a quarterback like you'll see in Kansas City soon. It is it is kind of a goofy cap situation that again, it's not something that can go on forever. Yeah, I think the best way to look at that roster and the way that they're paying their compensating players they effectively got a super, super club-friendly deal for their QB, and they used that money then to compensate all of the good players who they've drafted and keep them on the roster. And this is even after losing uh, Teron Armstead. Um, there was Marcus Williams as well. Marcus Williams and Teron Armstead were, were meaningful contributors to this team for four years, and both are out the door. Um, yeah, and they're cap casualties. So it's there's it's there's been a little bit uh kind of clumsy management of the salary cap thing here. Are they still is Drew Brees even is, is he still on the are they still paying him? <laughs> it wouldn't I'd, have shock to, I'd have to look at their caps. They stuff. played they played so many games with the cap at the very end of the Drew Brees era that you would have thought last year was the year they just take their medicine and you know, like and then move on this year. But they 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 tried they tried something last year. Um, got two wins against Tampa Bay out of it, which is a weird bugaboo. They continue to have Tampa Bay's number. Um, but you're right. When a lot of your games lost come from the QB1, then your season is very, very tough to evaluate. And the fact that they were even in the mix was crazy. Uh, and I can see why a guy like Sean Payton had to step away from the game for a year after such a frustrating type of a season. That makes sense to me. Um, and I don't really think, uh, uh, you know, I did timing. He probably was a year late for that. And realistically, Drew Brees was a year late retiring. He probably, Sean and Drew probably should have stepped away at the same time several seasons ago and let the, it felt weird that they know, did. let them rebuild for real. Um, instead, they got Jameis Winston and looked to have picked a uh, reclamation project off of the scrap heap and have done well by that. Winston's was he was a uh, bench. He was behind Taysom Hill. For a full season, is that right? Yeah, that, it was never really clear. <laughs> like, what, what, Wait, so the, what happened? Like the yeah, because there. And also, too, I, I just went time, back and right? pulled up this fucking Tampa Bay game. Nine this zero. Tampa Bay game, where I'm sure Tampa Bay was double-digit favorite at home. Oh, I had at least eight-point favorites. Yeah. To, I mean, it was we had Taysom Hill starting. Taysom Hill threw for 154 yards that day. 11 and a half. But, but Tampa Bay was like the teams combined to be nine for 35 on third downs. All for one on fourth down and punted like 17 times. Was and it like a, was it like freezing cold and 50 mile an hour wind? Oh wait, no, I, it was 75 degrees with no Like I need to rewatch Very this weird. game. Um, yeah, they, weird. Yeah, the Saints, the Saints actually punted more than Tampa. The Saints went 0-2 and the Tampa never made it to the red zone, which is wild. They had they had the best uh, offense. 17 the first downs. Never made it into the red zone. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of want to watch this game now. This one escaped me when I was going through things, but yeah, Armstead missing a bunch of time and gone. Uh, Anders Pete was not great. And they still are in a better spot than a lot of teams are on offensive line. Oh, like, sure. There's a lot of teams that would be envious of this. So, um, and then, yeah, if the defense comes back is like we think it can, uh, there were some interesting articles I read about the safety play that actually think, you know, the, the additions of honey badger and may like bringing in what they're going to in this defensive secondary this year might even be better than what they've had. So holy shit. Defense, defense, probably good I, I don't i don't even think we need to really talk about the defense like the defense will be good there's it, it, 
the only worry I ever saw from anybody was saying like, Hey, your defensive coordinator doesn't have time to concentrate on the defense now. Like that's what he's been doing for the last number of years. Just really yeah. dialing it in. Um, obviously they did a really good job of draft evaluation, bringing in the right guys, just draft and free agency, getting the right personnel in this defense to become a top 10, probably top five defense. And the worry would be that now that he's a head coach and he still wants to call the defense, maybe that takes a slight step back, but even a step back leaves us as a top 10 defense. So the real thing you need to look at is like, Jameis popped back off injury and he already what, twisted, sprained his foot in practice. So we've got a guy coming off a knee injury with a, a banged up foot now that has to step into this offense. And I, I think that kind of decides is this, and eight or nine win team again, or is it a team that pushes for the division title? Yeah. Um, okay. A couple things about, well, a couple, I guess a couple close the books here. Weird that they lost so many home games last year. Uh, typically the Superdome is a, uh, a clear home field advantage type of uh, environment. They played seven games because they lost that first game where they were in Jacksonville, right? They played seven games in the Superdome. The only teams they beat were Tampa Bay and Carolina. They lost to the Giants, the Falcons, Bills, Cowboys, and Dolphins all at home. Uh, so weird kind of, uh, you know, not to have any home field bump there. Um, and then from a roster standpoint, I had their top three most valuable players last year all on the defensive side of the ball, and none of them were players they lost. You want to guess who they are? Oh, Lattimore? Lattimore, number one. Yep. God, Cam Jordan was pretty good. Cam Jordan, number two. Okay, um, this might be this might actually be tougher. Is it just the other edge? Is it Davenport? Nope, Davenport's number six for me for them. Okay. He was good. Then, he was good, not great. I don't think it's a linebacker, but I don't Davenport, know. Davenport only gave them nine starts, which is why I have him downgraded. I guess. Okay. Shy Tuttle. Shy Tuttle's number five for them for me. <laughs> he was good. Actually, their rush defense. Uh, like all three levels was very good. It was very good. In the uh, the guy that was stirred the drink is the guy you haven't mentioned, Demario Davis. Demario Davis was awesome, 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 awesome middle linebacker for them, and he remains the anchor of that defense. And really, what we just kind of talked about, you know, if you have an elite player at all three levels, you got a good defense on your hands here. <laughs> you know, you got a defense that can hold Tom Brady and the Bucks to a zero points and no red zone trips at home. Um, but yeah, no, in seriousness, Marcus Williams, I, like, I think they did a decent job of self-evaluation. Um, let me look at my Marcus Williams grades. He gave them 16 starts last year, but his grades for me have been very, very, very flat and barely better than average. So I was not kind of lost in the, uh, kind of pearl clutching about Marcus Williams out the door. Really, a lot of a lot of people in the media were. I guess they just like how he looks on film, uh, but he is never graded like especially good to me. So I don't think that's like a huge loss. Teron uh, Armstead is a bona fide, you know, all pro, borderline all pro left tackle, um, but he had availability issues the last handful of years. He's only been able to give them limited starts, and eight last year was a big problem for them. They had to figure out other answers to tackle, and I think they, I think they cut bait with two pieces that you could. Uh, frankly. Um, and now they have, uh, you know, what at least looks on paper like a really, 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 really good defense, frankly. Daniel, D David Onyemata for a full season is going to be sick. That whole front four is sick. Um, and then, yeah, we already talked about the secondary a bit, but uh, Adebo and C you know, CJ Gardner-Johnson, very, very solid complementary pieces to a true shutdown quarter and corner in Marshawn Lattimore. One of the reasons the Saints have been so effective at really just getting in the Bucks' heads is that for whatever reason, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, you know, matches up like exceptionally well with Mike Evans, uh, making it tough for the Bucks to really do much of anything. Like Mike Evans' statistics against the Saints versus everyone else are like clearly, you know, a, a you know a, a, a bifurcation there. Um, yeah, and you know they're relatively healthy. The the addition of uh, Michael Thomas is going to be potentially big, really. 
the draft, you know, they went that's, all in with their draft. It's another one of those out picks. of sight, out of mind things where it's like, hey, yeah. like this offense was kind of trucking along even without him. And not only Michael Thomas, but Olave is fast as piss. Like you have a, sure. if he integrates well into the offense, you have a legit, just a, an outside speedster to open things up a little. And yeah, I mean, just quick back to the defense. I had to go try to find where I read this too. And I think it, it, it was over in Football Outsiders, but they said, you know, what we had last year at the two safeties was like a true free safety, like a deep coverage free safety. And then Jenkins was a guy who had his nose up in the box. Which, sure. Please, please don't clip that. Uh, <laughs> whereas, whereas, you know, Honey Badger, Marcus May are both guys that can kind of do both things. And I think even if you have a couple of safeties who maybe aren't as good, but they're more versatile. That's probably, you know, enticing for a defensive-minded head coach. Where disguising coverages, disguising what you're going to do, disguising having a couple safeties up in a box, and you know, dropping one or both of them out, moving things around. Like that's it's the same as on offense. Like disguising what you're going to do more easily is, you know, that's how you win games. That's how you win plays that win games. And it's the, you know, it, it's kind of like those stupid, you know, plays where they split up a quarterback out wide. And it's like, oh, I mean, they could throw it to him, but that's not actually a wide receiver. That's, you know, that's Ryan Tannehill split out wide. Like, that's not real. The same thing kind of goes for a, a free safety that just is never up in the box. Like, hey, he's up in the box. Yeah, he's dropping because that's not what he does. Like, if you can't actually, you know, if you're trying to disguise stuff and they know better, it's not as good. So okay. hopefully it's something because I do believe somebody said, you know, Honey Badger ain't what he used to be. That's true. Like, it is true. But, you know, his versatility maybe brings something to the table. And like you said, just star players at all three levels, a smart defensive-minded head coach. I'm still – I'm just not worried about this defense. No, I'm not at all. I'm much more worried about – offense pick up where it left off and then shoot up a couple levels with the essentially adding two high-end wide receivers hopefully are you gonna start this defense in the top five in the nfl in terms of power rating or are they like six to ten range for you it's i'd have to look i think i have them like sixth i think i'm right like it's it's not like 10 feels disrespectful but five feels like, yeah, I don't know if they're top five quite yet. That's the ceiling. The ceiling's, yeah. you know, top three. Yeah, agreed. I agree. Um, what about the offense? What what are they? <laughs> like the pretty clearly, like Pete Carmichael is a guy that I believe has been on the Saints. Now now I didn't look this up, so don't fact check me, but I think he's been there for fifty five years. There. He yeah. came over. He I was think born he came over on staff. from the Chargers, like yeah. with with Drew Brees. He's the been Pete Carmichael has been there for eons in NFL in NFL uh, time. We and talked about him last year because we joked. We're like, I don't know if I know who this guy. Is. I could not have picked him out of the lineup last year. I know who he looks like now. Um, and he takes over for Sean Payton, who it was presumed really had his fingerprints very much on the offense. And so now it's the Pete Carmichael show and we get to figure out, does he have his own vision for how he wants to run this offense or is he going to do a Sean Payton impression? Where do you fall on this? So I was, I I was only half joking. I remembered us talking about this. So I had to talk about it. He legitimately did come over with Drew Brees. Wow. The year that Brees came from the, the chargers in 2006 that's uh that's the year that he went from the assistant wide receivers and quality control coach of the chargers to the quarterbacks coach of the saints so i don't know if he jived well with breeze and that was uh i'm gonna have to go look that up that's a fun little piece of trivia if breeze like vouched for the guy like hey there's a coach you should bring over i'd like him to work with me I mean, a wide receiver coach, I'm sure, is working plenty with the quarterback as well. So I'm sure they knew each other well. But, yeah, he has been there since 2006. And, again, it's one of those things where we talk about this with some of these coaches that are, you know, like Mike Zimmer for years. Like, hey, who's the defensive coordinator in Minnesota? Fuck, I don't know. Like, nobody talks about him. It's not a thing. You know, I'm sure he helps game plan, but people talk about Mike Zimmer. 
And the same thing for years and years and years with you know a head coach who has a big, big, big hand in the offense. And you just never have an idea because you're not in on those meetings. You don't, you're not privy to that information. Like how much of a handprint did we might find out like Pete Carmichael these last few years was like 80% of the offense. Like he was designing most of it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he may have been the architect. Like uh, I'm, I'm not sure anyone outside of it. Maybe I, I haven't read anything that's led me on to believe that he was, you know, doing much more than uh, Sean Payton. But I mean, Payton was a guy who was knew he was kind of coming to the end of his, his, uh, tenure and we're going to talk about that with another team here too where they you know took a defensive coordinator and put him in charge over the course of the offseason like when you know you're going to step down and you have a an heir apparent maybe sometimes you do start to ramp up their responsibilities so if that's the bear or that's the bull case for the saints offense like hey this was a, a process and he slowly gave carmichael more responsibility and it's going to be just fine but the the you know there's always the, the control freak where Carmichael was in the meetings and he was just offensive coordinator and title only and this could be a goddamn disaster I don't know we're gonna we're gonna find out quickly but man you have skill position players on skill position players here you have a, a essentially a top five running back yeah. probably a top. 10 receiver it's tough to say coming off a, a full year of injuries and you have a, a super high-end rookie receiver your offensive yeah. line has some some holes but you had a quarterback who really really took a step forward i know it was only seven games but Jameis was great if you took that Jameis season and threw out those 30 interceptions which hey yeah if you but I mean, if you took the titanic and threw out the iceberg incident you know, it's <laughs> one of those things but hell like, the ship yeah yeah hell of a ship. made it across but that's everything he did outside of just those those big mistakes. Jameis was solid, yeah. and I, that's kind of what we saw last year. Like he was playing well, especially coming into a, a newer spot like that. If that's the kind of Jameis you get, and everything works out, I mean, what's your ceiling for this offense? Elite. It's top ten. Yeah. Well, yes, I'd say so. Um, I mean. We'll get to Jameis in a second, and that's really what I think decides it more so even than the offensive identity. Um, they have enough pieces to work with on the offense, though, and the strong enough offensive line that if this doesn't work, I think I'll be surprised. Right? Like I think I, I think I would find it su- genuinely surprising if these guys are struggling to score into the twenties on a weekly basis with a healthy quarterback uh, and. I, yeah, I mean, like, frankly, there's not really, like, an obvious hole other than your RB2. Like, if Alvin Kamara goes down with injury or suspension, then all of a sudden, that's that, even that's probably a good thing because now you're running a lot of three four, three wide receiver sets and uh, you're getting your, your tight ends involved. I, I mean, this is going to be oh, – this has the potential to be a really, really good passing offense because all the pieces feel very complementary, and I guess – in the back of my mind, I'm leaning towards it will work and they'll be good because the Saints kind of are telling us that with their decision-making, right? Like, they gave away more assets to go get Olave. Like, you don't, you don't do that if, you're, if you internally have questions about how talented your roster is. Yeah. And these guys, they're good at evaluating talent. Uh, you know, they're not necessarily the greatest at keeping them on the field and healthy. But they're certainly good at picking guys in, you know, in the draft to make immediate impacts as young players. And to the degree that that's maybe what you can take away from Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen over the last handful of years, like they have developed these young players up into immediate impact players and expecting that to all of a sudden go away because they have more roles and responsibilities, I think is foolish. Um, And so Chris Olave and Trevor Penning and even some of, you know, even Alante Taylor is the DB, you know, and uh, I think you can count on these guys being impacts this year. Uh, and, you know, even if not the beginning of the year, by the end of the year. So uh, offense, I think, is going to be quite good, really. Uh, and I think my floor for them is about 20. My median is about 12. And my ceiling is uh, top six. 
Again. You know what my favorite part of the new regime so far is? What's that? Dennis Allen put a stop to uh, the fucking Taysom Hill quarterback experiment. Oh yeah, he's a tight. He's that's a tight a great, end now. Said he's, a, uh, and it's I'm I'm it ingest a little, but also like if I'm Jameis, that that makes me feel a little better because that whole thing was just your team. It was just a weird deal. Like, hey, Jameis, we're giving you the keys. This is your team. We're putting you in charge here. Um, so. If you see them trot them out and some gadget plays, are you going to lose your shit or are you not really? You like and a the, couple the thing of is too, like, like I like Taysom Hill. Like he is, he is imposing with the ball in his hands in space. He lays a shoulder down. He's not afraid to take a hit in the middle of the field. Like, yeah. I'd love to see him playing a bunch of tight end and getting involved in the offense. I think he could be an asset to this offense. I just don't like. Yeah, I don't like the. Hey, guess what? He's going to play this drive as a quarterback. Yeah. Let's um, just not do this. Like, why are we doing this? And then the penning thing, a little cold water there. Uh, that guy's a fucking psycho. <laughs> he got kicked out of practice for uh, getting in fights with his teammates. Oh, like he's a, some of the clips a, were like, good. Yeah, that's like all right. This guy's like a hothead, but he's a veteran. No, this dude's a rookie. Like, stop doing that. Nobody likes you now. And then also. Uh, I just kind of worry how that translates. I think he led the, either the country or at least the conference in penalties. Like he's, he's uh, he probably needs to take a step. He's like that. Uh, I think that, you know it's funny we have the corner because Lattimore wasn't that the name of the guy who was uh, really was. angry on the program. The program Lattimore, yeah. I think he broke he broke the window with his head. Yeah, well, he was, he was he was juicing. That's how you knew. Well, yeah, he was, I'm not I'm yeah. not I'm, I'm not accusing Trevor Penning of juicing. So, but, yeah, then Femi has it right. Like, he just needs the shit kicked out of him. Like, they need to go full private pile on him and beat him with bars of soap or something. Just like put him in his place. Well, they have a lot of veteran leaders. I'm sure everything will. be So fine. that's the thing. The veterans um, need to tell this kid to calm down. And then, yeah, Andy, we haven't even mentioned Andy Dalton. That's a solid backup quarterback. Better than too, Ian like, Book. Yeah. Yeah. Better than Trevor City and book. Bethany and Book. Yeah. Ian Book doesn't have an NFL arm. Like, um, no. Uh, okay. So, I mean, injury is really the only thing that spooks me about this offense reaching their potential, which to me is a lot higher than the market is rating them. The market right now is rating them as the 20th ish offense in terms of point production, 21st offense in terms of point production. That is down there with the likes of Washington, New England, Miami. Uh, what's another one? Jacksonville. I think this offense could be better. And maybe I'm watching and reading too many reports of Michael Thomas catching four balls for four touchdowns and red zone drills and stuff like that. But he look, I watched like, a little bit of clips though. He looks like he's fine. He looks if that's he looks, how he's gonna play. He looks again, fine. You have a, he looks fine. If fine. you're coming back yeah. as a quarterback, yeah, a quarterback with a over 60% lifetime completion rate who has a five thousand yard season under his belt, yeah. like I don't I don't see why the projections are so low for this offense. Yeah. Marquez Callaway was the highest graded wide receiver I had for this team last year, and he was barely above replacement. Um, the number two, Deontay Harris, was replacement level. The number three, Traquan Smith, well below replacement level. Um, yeah. So this is a big old upgrade, potentially, on in the wideouts. Um, and a full, yeah, again, like, let's talk about Jameis Winston then. Because I think that does kind of that's where this offense goes between six and 20, really. And what's crazy is through the we said it was week eight, right? When he got hurt, when he went down, the efficiency stats for him were elite through that portion of the season. He was having like a, a he was having one of those campaigns where it was like, the eye test doesn't say he should be in the MVP discussion, but should he be in the MVP discussion? Because his EPA per play, completion percentage, all that was like in like he looked like he had body swapped with Mahomes in terms of statistical profile. And it didn't you know, like sense. if you take that and extrapolate what he was doing out, it, it would have been like a 34 touchdown, seven interception season. Yeah. Which who's that? You don't need to you don't need to like for this to be a top 10 offense, he doesn't need to have a, a 50 touchdown season. Like you're going to be able to run the ball. You're going to be able to do other things. Like 
4,500 yards, 30, 35 touchdowns. And yeah, the ceiling, you're touching that ceiling of like top five. Yeah. Uh, let me pull it up for, I guess, completion percentage wasn't as good as I'm remembering, but in terms of uh, EPA per play, he was third in the NFL when he went down behind Stafford and Brady, which is pretty good. Uh, he outperformed the likes of Allen, Kyler Murray, Mahomes. You know, Murray was very much in the MVP discussion, uh, significantly better than Rodgers' start to the season. So, yeah, I, it's a, it's a, this is kind of the question that I've been, that has been gnawing on me all offseason in terms of really buying in on this Saints team being a contender and what is otherwise a weak NFC. How good is Winston? How good will he be this year? Did what we see last year? Was that an F, some sort of flash in the pan? Small sample size, can't trust it. Um, or is this guy going to be able to generate, uh, you know, 0.25 uh, points added per per play this season? Yeah. And then somebody did just ask about Kamara. I don't know. Like, I'm super bad at the legal takes. Like, I, I had somebody, I got somebody crabby about the live stuff because I, I don't know. Everything I read, said that there was no way in hell they were going to do this temporary restraining order and let these guys just play. And somebody's like, a lot of people thought that they were going to let them play. I'm like, oh, not the guys <laughs> I talked to, I guess. But um, I've talked a little bit to some people who know a little bit about the law. And there is there is a case that the Kamara stuff just gets pushed off into next season somehow, which is wild that some of this stuff can be like, oh, we got a rule on this now. And then Kamara is, uh, who knows. But I mean, Worst case is that guy could be a four to six game suspension for what he did out there. I think it was Pro Bowl weekend. Yeah. Um, um, so like that's that's a bit of a problem for this offense. They lost all the games he didn't play in last year. I think he missed four, and he's a big cog in this offensive wheel too. So uh, that's a that is a problem. But again, we don't know. It, it could be a nothing burger that goes away because the NFL. Obviously, the punishment, we won't get into that. The punishments handed out in the NFL are not meted out um, consistently all the time, so you just never can tell. Yeah, and if you know, there's a reasonable chance that you know, the NFL is not going to step in and punish, punish him and then see the legal case get dropped and the civil case settled and nothing ever comes of it. You know, I don't think yeah, there's somebody a in the chat said, yeah, and this was, yeah, this was the, the case for it to be pushed. The courts wouldn't be done till March. So the delay is like the NFL will wait for the courts to figure things out before they, you know, put their own justice to, to the, to the cat test there. So I agree who knows? That. Maybe Kamara just maybe, and honestly, like at that point, they might just have to finally go into rebuild with this cap stuff. So go sit out next year, Kamara. <laughs> um, yeah. And Winston, like you said, maybe, and maybe EPA per play is probably a better metric than just overall, like, completion percentage and things of that nature like adding value to the points and win percentage are always going to be better than just looking at how many passes did he complete or how many you know how many yeah. yards did he throw for like those are those are things that can result in wins but actually seeing it where epa went up and you know yeah. win probability went up that more important to me so being efficient and being not the guy who has big because those 30 interceptions, I'm guessing a lot of those were negative EPA plays. And uh, uh, yeah, that, in fact, probably all of them. Yeah. So not, not, not throwing 30 is uh, that's a, that's a goal for this year. And fuck it. The LASIK jokes, like those are jokes, but who knows? Maybe it's just, maybe that was what it took. You want to know what's kind of funny fucking scenario. Nothing really changed about his on-target percentage versus in bad, bad, bad throw percentage and stuff. It was all about the same. It was literally a little bit of just decision making. Like his accuracy didn't really take a step forward. Um, it was much more the style of pass. You know what they were asking of him. They his he uh, has, he has thrown to the running back a dropped. lot more. Yeah, it dropped big time. But again, that he kind of had to because. You know, they didn't have any wide receivers. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I mean, like, realistically, like, Michael Thomas might make Jameis Winston look very good and get him a nice big contract in this offseason. I actually don't know. Is is uh, is Jameis a free agent after this year? Do you know? Is he a lame duck? I, I think he was a two-year deal. 
I have to look at that. I don't look at contract stuff as close as I should. So, okay. Um, schedule. Sure. Let's take a look. Again, it's an NFC team, meaning they have nine home games. Oh, not so fast, my friends. <laughs> One of those home games London. is played in London. So they do lose a home game, but it is against someone of probably equal. It's not, I mean, I guess at least it wasn't a home game against a shit heel. He said, well, we got to travel to play a bad team. It's It was probably a coin flip. Regardless, yeah. So I don't they're know at a treble disadvantage that. at that for that game, though, which is not great. yeah, yeah. That's not great. Um, having Atlanta and Carolina in your division is good. Having the late bye is bad. Having Cleveland late in the season maybe bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're gonna find out pretty soon what the quarterback situation is there. But overall, an easy-ish schedule. There's some rough patches. Like, uh, you know, you play, you're going to play Tampa. Everybody, I mean, before they have the schedule, you know, you're going to play Tampa twice. So that's two wins. Yeah. I mean, they, they swept them last year, didn't they? So, <laughs> and the year before. The only loss yeah. I can remember was the playoff loss. Yeah. And that's funny, Sam. It actually is kind of a good London game. Like, both it of these offenses good. can be pretty fun. Very, very good. But, uh, yeah, that, that stretch and a grin. Is there any, to- like, is there any history or fanfare around the New Orleans and Minnesota matchup? <laughs> I mean, maybe not to the London crowd, but Christ, the uh, yeah, the uh, there's there's been a couple of games over the last fifteen, a couple years memorable games, couple memorable games. My good, <laughs> my goodness, but yeah, the the decent sized uh, travel advantage having LA having to travel over to the Caesars Superdome or whatever it's called now after coming off a a tough little travel spot. Yeah. They're at a big rest disadvantage to the Steelers. That's a sneaky bad spot for them against a team that, you know, that's a that's a win if it's at home and you're not having a weird travel disadvantage yeah. or rest disadvantage. Yeah. But that yeah that that is that is the spot I'm looking at because I'm worried about the Raiders being a good team this year, especially on offense. So Raiders, Baltimore, Pittsburgh just because of the spot and then Rams, Rams. even though it's a good spot for you, it's still the Rams and then Niners Tampa on the road back to back. So traveling to San Francisco and then coming back and popping over to South Florida and then getting your late, late bye. It's not a great five or Mm -hmm. six game stretch. Like winning three of those games feels like a pretty big win. It's not, it's not, it's not. Um, they need to get off to a good start. Yep, imperative. If this team struggles out of the gate, they can forget about a wild card. They can forget about the division. Really, they need to beat Atlanta and Tampa weeks one and weeks two if they have any hope. Really, and that Tampa game week two is going to be an interesting one because Tampa's coming off a primetime game. Tampa's banged up right now. Uh, you need to win that game, hosting Tampa. <laughs> And that and that's where I'm I'm at a bit of a pickle with this team. I think there's a really, really high probability this team is a top ten offense, a top ten defense, and it still wins like nine games. Yeah, <laughs> because, that's and yeah. there's there's just yeah. so many coin flips against teams with either good matchups or good good spots in the schedule and like yeah. They could lose five out of six of those games in the middle, and then yeah. it doesn't take a lot from there to get to nine and eight. And again, it's like, hey, this team really – I think there, there's a decent chance at the end of the season we're looking at this team be like, again, what might have been. Like we're going to say – could win say, their close games and – We're going to say this about Tampa Bay too, really. Like the division, in my mind, could be won by nine games this season. And it will depend on – if it goes 2-0 either way or if it's a 1-1 split between Tampa and New Orleans, I think. Um, And this schedule, like a lot of the NFC schedules are are easy. This one's, there's some sneaky tough stuff in this. That's middle of the pack. Yeah. What's what's your read on first five weeks of the season? How do they start? Like that Tampa game is very, very pivotal. Very pivotal. You should be able to go to Atlanta and beat that. If you win that, if you beat, if you beat Tampa, you're, you're four and one now, right? At minimum, maybe five and zero. Oh. Minnesota on 
on a weird spot in London isn't a walkover for sure. That's a coin flip game. But you match up decently against them, though. They, they do. It's a, it's a secondary that you should be able to beat up, and it's a pass rush that to be able to take advantage of. Even if Minnesota's offensive lines improve, that's a that's a bad matchup for Minnesota. So four and one out of the gate, and then like I said, all these coin flip games: Cincinnati, Las Vegas, Baltimore. Pittsburgh, uh, what it, that Cleveland game? If Cleveland's good, you'll be a dog on the road there. I mean, it depends if this team turns out to be really good. Maybe it's a pick them, but that's another coin flip. Like Minnesota, Cincinnati, Las Vegas, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Got to win four or five of those games to yeah, yeah. really make this a successful season. And Sam's calling it a tie in London. They'd love that. Fuck, uh, you get one point for that for the draw on the table, so that wouldn't be too bad for either team. But is it yeah, a tie? Irrespective, regardless, isn't that what they call a match? Isn't it a tie? A uh, rubber. A rubber. Thank you. Oh, they call them Johnny's. Johnny's. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of coin flips on this, and we don't know enough about the coaching situation, how the quarterback thing hushes out, and just there's there's a lot of what ifs. But like you said. Not only could nine or ten wins absolutely take this division, nine or ten wins is probably a wild card spot. I do probably. think this team is I do think this team is in the playoffs. So I don't know. We'll see. Let's take a look at those odds. Well, what are their odds? Yeah. Plus money for playoffs. Huh. Wow. South is still plus three fifty, really? These yeah. we'll have to ask Dan if these are current odds. These seem like they might be a little stale. I feel like the South price got beat up. Um, I've played the South, uh, mostly just to potentially come back on the Bucks later in the season, if at all. Um, Super Bowl forty to one, NFC seventeen to one. Whew, man, oh man, oh man. Path to path, the path to getting a good enough seed in the playoffs to where either of those bets is live is too is too uh, um, too cute. It is tough to like going to play in LA or Green Bay or Tampa or God for what if Philly's good? You don't want to go. This is no. a, a dome a dome team having to go to like Green Bay or Philadelphia in January. I don't know. I feel don't like James up on Lambo in January. Have fun with that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. James Winston also never has played a playoff game. If I remember correctly. Dan and Dan, yeah, I was gonna say I didn't want to speak for him, but Dan usually pulls these the mo- the, the day, day of. Right? Yeah, I know, thought so too. He said uh, these are from FanDuel and they are still wow. pretty heavy on Tampa, which is, I again, I mentioned better. this this morning on Brown Bag. Any sort of futures, please, please, please shop around because like that George Pickett number, I bet it at fifty, and Pickens plenty of places. Pickens, excuse me, not Pickett. Never bet Pickett. Pickett, Pickett is a bad price. 50 Pickett. to 1 for rookie of the year this morning, and a lot of places said 20. Wow. So shop, shop, shop around. Yeah. Again, low limits, but I'm still more than happy to take another wide receiver to add him to my stable. So my fair for, my fair price for New Orleans to win the NFC South is you want to guess? 210. Oh wow. Very close. I'm at 215. I thought you were going to go like in the th- like the three hundred range. I'm at plus no, two. No, I I know you like them. I like them too. And yeah, uh, I think Tampa I think, is getting a little too much love in the market. Yeah, and I think realistically, like I should probably just have sat on my hands and just bet the money line in week two against Tampa, especially if they're three if they're three and a half point dogs at home. Um, I've seen somebody maybe in my the number. Chat. My, my, my number. Might I think you be. bet that. Yeah, my my number might not be current on that what that week two game is because those numbers are starting to move a little. Um, but ultimately, my uh, um, my angle is just I feel like the market's way too way too way too high on Tampa, and this was even before they started getting hurt. I thought that. Um, I'm just not there that this is going to be a seamless transition year for the Bucks. Um, and the well, only way I could, could yeah. the only way I could really talk myself DraftKings has a four on that. On Tampa is still getting a ton of respect by the market. Jesus Christ! The market isn't going to take a couple of offensive linemen and just and just switch on a dime at at casual shops. I don't think so. I, I think yeah, if you want to bet some Saints plus four, that's probably a pretty good bet. 
And that's my betting plan of attack. I don't like any of these futures, save maybe if you were able to find to make the playoffs at plus 125, plus 130. Again, not something I really want to get involved with season long. When I'm betting season long, it's a big, big edge on a regular season win total or a really big long shot in an awards market. Like if I'm going to win, I'm going to be sure that I have either a really big edge or there's a really big payout at the end of it. So I don't love betting these, these futures at like even money when it's, there's probably better ways to take that same amount of money and just bet it a few times on the saints throughout the season, go like four and one against the spread on those games. And you get your money a lot faster that way. Yeah, you know what price I got on the Saints? Four. Five to one. I got plus 500 on the Saints. On two. On the Saints to win the South. Okay. Yeah, no, I was referring to that to make the playoffs. Oh, plus one. Like, I think that's a very safe bet. I really think that in, the, in a weekend, yeah. like, yeah. that should be minus 125. I mean, frankly, there's enough games on their schedule early in the season that if you are correct, I'm not saying that's what I'm saying. Betting week to week. Betting week by week, you're going to make more money that way, I think. And I think this is a team that I will absolutely bet on week by week. I don't know why the market is so cold on them. I really don't. I don't think that's right. I think the market is way, way low on this offense. And yeah, I mean, if you you ask me, you know, what is going on here? How could the market be this off? And I'm saying that they are the 21st ranked offense as we speak. The market is assuming that Kamara is getting suspended for a bunch of the season, and the market Michael is assuming Thomas that is Michael Thomas is behind isn't, him. Yeah, or in the other, he's not. A lot of it doesn't translate to the season. I mean, I, I, yeah. I talked to somebody who made a pretty good case for like Ohio State quarterbacks not translating, but it, part of the case was like, hey, they always have great wide receivers, and, and I mean, Olave was great. I really do think his skill set translates. So I think the offense is. If they finished anywhere near 20, it would be due to some suspensions and injuries. So okay. go same with a G-E-A-U-X. Go Saints. Go Cajuns. We have a connection, Minnesota and New Orleans. Like I'm not far from the river. If I'm touching that river, I'm basically touching you guys. That's right. Yeah. It's all connected. The Mississippi so. River goes through both cities. That's true. Anyway, 